Greetings, sapiens. This is Chance Gilliam, welcoming you to the Chance by Chance podcast. Today I am speaking with Dave Rogers. He owns one of the largest independent guitar stores in the country, showcasing thousands of guitars at any given time. Located in La Crosse, Wisconsin, the shop just celebrated its 35th anniversary, dating back all the way to 1982 when Dave rented 400 square feet in a vacant dental office to open the store. His personal collection of about 500 guitars is also on display, giving a close look at the instrument's evolution over the last century. Dave's guitar has done business with notable performers such as ZZ Top, The Eagles, Eddie Vedder, Pink Floyd, The Rolling Stones, Eric Clapton, and the list goes on and on. Dave has no formal education in business, just a desire to pursue what he loves. Orphaned early in life, he looked up to his siblings, including a brother who showed him the magic of guitar. When the music store he worked for as a young man went out of business, Dave took matters into his own hands and created a place that people now travel miles to see. You can find relevant links from this conversation in the show notes to the episode. For now, please enjoy my conversation with Dave Rogers. Hey Dave, welcome to the show. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. I am glad to be here in your office. I read that this is bigger than your original store. Is that true? It's very true. (laughs) Yeah, my store wasn't quite this big, my first one, no. That's amazing. And you've gone through uh, two different locations. The first one you bought in 1982, that was also in La Crosse, right? That was in La Crosse on the south side, uh, 2135 Ward Avenue, so... And uh, you moved here in 1993, a couple of expansions later. Yeah. You've got probably the biggest shop in the Midwest. Oh, I I would guess. Yeah, it's a little (laughs) crazy for a guitar shop. You know, whoever thought it'd have to be this big. But, you know, I kept buying the property as it became available next to the building that I bought. And, you know, with thoughts of, like, hopefully growing someday and whatever. And and it's all gone pretty darn well. And why lacrosse? I know you grew up in Marshfield, but what brought you to this city and, and why was it right? Well, um... I, I met a girl down here and moved down here to be with her initially. And, uh, you know, I, in this town, believe it or not, I mean, you throw a stick out the window, you hit a guitar player. <laughs> I mean, there's there's talent in this town like you wouldn't believe. You know, it's almost like in Nashville on a smaller scale. I mean, the, the talent of the musicians here. So I was like going, well, this is pretty cool. And, you know, back in 82, is well before the Internet, but uh, there was guys um, like Groon Guitars doing, like, mailing lists. And, you know, I was like going, well, if this guy could do this, why can't I get a bunch of cool guitars, Mm. send out a mailing list to, you know, clients wherever I can find them and and do mail order business. And, and, you know, La Crosse was nice. It's a river town, still small. Um, Real estate was less expensive. It was a less expensive place to live than, like, Chicago, Minneapolis, whatever. So I was like going, yeah, I'm a small town guy anyway. I I, I like being, you know, and this this town's almost getting a little too big for me now, you know. (laughs) But... uh, but yeah, so I mean, in now the days of the internet, you could be anywhere and still do a phenomenal business. It's just like, you know, but it, it, it's nice. We have a nice airport here so I can get in and out of here pretty quick if I need to. And um, yeah, I mean, to me, it's just the ideal situation. Yeah, speaking of getting in and out, I know you uh, do a lot of business in person with these different uh, companies that you sell for. Can you tell me about the networking in terms of uh, how you initially built each of those relationships and maybe like what you do when you're flying out to these different sure. places? Oh, well, it, it's, it's all fun, but I mean, you know, I'm a guitar freak, and, uh, you know, probably everybody that works here is the same way, you know, we're, we're sick individuals, <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, 
we'll go, we'll look at like say um, a reissue Les Paul, we say, oh, this is cool, but if you made one like this, with these colors, and maybe if we went down there and picked out the wood, you know, it'd be, you know, our guitar, you know, it'd be, and we do the same thing with Fender, we do the same thing with Paul Reed Smith, and we'll go there, we'll pick out the woods, we'll pick out the colors, we'll do the specs, I mean, just today, Lon's my right-hand guy, he was in here, and um, we're going over specs to do another run of custom shop Fenders, and, you know, the attention to detail, I mean, it's, each guitar is like three pages of just specs, Wow. and you got to go over everything and just make sure it's all exactly right, and I mean, we just eat that stuff up, we just love it, we're just, we're sick anal guys (laughs) that just, like, go, we want this guitar exactly this way, you know, so. Yeah, um, I was watching an interview online, and I, uh, I remember seeing some rosewood guitars and i forget which shop you got these from but they were uh, like brazilian rosewood i think okay and, and they were seized and you got to oh yeah like, that, was redo smith. Of these. that was paul reed smith yeah sure. well, what is that story that sounds fascinating oh that, that's a great story well paul's a, you know over the years become a very very good friend i mean um you know he'll call me on a sunday morning at eight o'clock in the morning with an idea for a guitar and he'll just be all excited and he'll <laughs> tell me about it and one time he was here and he just said um he says, hey, Dave, I, I've, I've got something for you. you got to fly out to my factory this week. And I was like going, okay. And, you know, he's never, you know, never led me astray at all. So I flew out there. And, boy, this would have been, boy, I think it was 2007 that his guitars got seized. What had happened is that he had Brazilian rosewood that turned out to come from a questionable source. Hmm. And um, so the government did a cease and desist. He said, you can't sell these guitars you can't finish them he had a lot of them that were just in the raw wood stage and so he had a warehouse full of 500 guitars that were brazilian rosewood which is a very sought after wood and uh after five years the government gave him the okay to sell them but he had to sell them in the united states he couldn't export any of them Hmm. so he just said dave i want you to have first crack at this and i was like well that's very much appreciated but and i started looking at cases and i was like i was so overwhelmed i was like going Paul, let's just sit down. I, I want to buy them all. So I bought, <laughs> I bought every one of them. And, you know, it took me years to sell them. But, I mean, they're phenomenal guitars, and the deal was good. You know, he shot me a good deal because they had been sitting there dead for so long. And a lot of them that were unfinished, we had them finished in, like, crazy, wacky colors that, you know, 20 years from now, people will be looking in, in the book, and they'll be saying, oh, yeah, that's the one from Dave's Guitar Shop that he had built in, you know, this year or whatever. So Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, to me, I like to think that... Um, our shop and the things that we're doing with these guitars are going to be well thought of, you know, down the road, just like Gibsons and Fenders are from the 50s and 60s now, you know, so. Yeah, you'll, uh, you'll build out your legacy. For oh, sure. yeah. And, I mean, it's just like I want to, I want to feel good. Um, like, you know, we've all done repairs where, where I feel like I should go to Guitar Hell for this repair that I did that didn't turn out well <laughs> or something like that. So now I feel like, oh, okay, now I'll get rewarded in heaven, in Guitar Heaven, because I, I came up with all these cool guitars karma or whatever. So. of some sort. Yeah, yeah. you kind of you fix it later on down the road. Yeah, karma. Yeah, karma. I'm pretty curious how you built your basic knowledge, but also your business skills, because as far as I know, you didn't uh, go to college, receive any formal education. How no, did, no business education. Out? Yeah, no business education whatsoever. The only thing I've ever known is that, like, I'll go, okay, if I can buy this guitar for, like, say, $600, I know I can sell it for 800 bucks. I mean, I just, I just know that I can sell it for this much, and, and that's all I know. And I just do that as many times a day as I possibly can. And, and that's how I started out. I'd be like going, if I'd see a guitar in the newspaper that was 100 bucks, I'd go, man, I know I can double my money on that guitar. So I'd buy it, yeah. double my money, I'd take that $200 and buy another guitar for $200 that I can sell for 300 And I mean, I just did that constantly. Like, I mean, there, there was no sleeping, no eating. I was constantly hunting out guitars. And um, 
And still to this day, that's what I do. I mean, I, I just know that, you know, okay, this is what the market will bear for this guitar. If I can buy it for anything less than that, I'm going to make some money. So, hmm. And that's the only business plan I've ever had. Um, th- there's never been any formal education. I mean, uh, I was lucky to get out of high school, <laughs> graduate high school, and uh, all I've ever kind of been into is just guitars. Hmm. So, And so back in the day, this first shop, uh, you used your own personal collection of guitars to, to fill the shelves or the walls, if well, you Well, and it wasn't very full. There's 15 guitars the day <laughs> I opened up. I, I owned 15 guitars, and those I'd built up over the years, and some of them I was, you know, very in, endeared to. I mean, I, I'd have a, a guitar that was like, you know, part of me, and I'd put it up for sale to get the business going. And I also played in a band at that time, and I made enough money with the band. I lived in a small little trailer home, and um, I think the trailer was paid for. I think I paid like six grand for it, and the lot rent was a couple hundred bucks. So I made enough money to live and put a little food on the table. Mm-hmm. And so every guitar I sold, I stuck, you know, every profit I made, I stuck back in the business. I didn't draw a paycheck for at least five years. So. Man, was that so. a nerve-wracking at all at the time? Oh, I mean, constantly. I mean, I, I remember... Uh, <laughs> Calling, you know, buddies of mine at the end of the month, you know, like going, hey, man, I don't have enough for rent. Come buy a guitar, you know. So, you know, it, <laughs> and, it, you know, it, some things just don't change. Now the bills are just bigger, you know. Now I'll go like, oh, man, it's the end of the month, and I owe Gibson $200,000. You know, what am I going to do or something like that? Uh, so it's just, you know, it's a, just a different different amount of money now. You still have the same worries, I same think. Same problems. So. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Um, so going, uh, backtracking a little bit, shifting gears to your childhood I read that both of your parents died when you were pretty young, and yeah. uh, a sister took you under her wing. I know you, uh, as you mentioned earlier, you learned a lot from your brother just watching him play guitar. And yeah, he was a great that. guitar player and played in bands in Marshfield, and uh, uh, you know, I, I totally admired him, and I was kind of like the annoying little brother, you know, that he didn't want to have around or whatever. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I mean, he was a great guitar player playing in a great band and definitely got me fired up to get going on it so yeah and uh did you, did you have other siblings besides those two and I, I have two sisters and one brother two sisters one brother um so maybe along with uh i mean just the love of guitars what else did they uh provide you uh, just life lessons or maybe any other mentors that you had early in your life um any important important lessons from your time along the road boy you know I hate to say it, but I mean, I was born very late in my dad's life or whatever, and I think he died when I was 11, mm. so I, I don't have a whole lot of memories or a whole lot of like bonding times or anything like that with him, and it is a Catholic family, and I, I know there was one miscarriage before me, and I was very much a mistake. I, I didn't feel all that welcomed, hmm. but it, it was what it was, and my sister, my oldest sister had gone, she had already been in college and moved away before I was kind of up there and then uh, my other sister dropped out of college for a year or two to take care of me because otherwise I would have went to a foster home when my mom died and again my older brother I was, a, I was a, the annoying younger brother so he didn't have too much to do with me initially but you know uh. we've since you know great great relationship now but um, <laughs> you know life lessons I, I don't know you know I've, I've always had a strong sense of, of moral responsibility you know like I've never you know misrepresented a guitar or never if somebody came in and said, how much is this guitar worth? I always try to be real, real honest, give them like factual, like books, you know, showing what their values is and stuff like that. So, I mean, I sleep well at night because of all of that. But I mean, I guess it's just kind of come up by growing up, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Uh, just learning from experience. I guess, yeah. The, the, the school of hard knocks, I guess, you know. <laughs> I mean, because again, I was totally under finance when I started the business. I remember I applied for a loan 
at a bank for a sign I wanted to get a, it was going to cost $600 and they turned me down so I mean and I had no money you know whatsoever so the very first guitar I sold as a business was to Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick mm. I sold him a Les Paul Jr. for seven fifty, and then I could put a sign up out of like the trunk of your car or something yeah like, exactly yeah. Show? Yeah. yeah I, I had a, my trunk full of guitars and I went to the show and had a little printed out list of what I had gave it to one of the roadies and <laughs> next thing you know Rick Nielsen's got me back in his dressing room with all his guitars and stuff you know Man. so that was, that was a very cool first day of business yeah, that's a hell of a pitch, too. You have it all printed up, everything ready to yep. go, just drive on up. Yeah, yep. that's perfect. Um, I, I know that you have played music all throughout your life, but was there a time when you were um, anticipating making a career of performing in a band? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think we all had a dream. I mean, in high school, I, I played in a band that traveled a bit, and after high school, I did, too. And, you know, we were with a booking agent that would have us in Illinois one night, Upper Michigan the next night. I mean, and, you know, playing in bars that shouldn't have had our kind of band, you know. What it, huh. it, was, it, was a, it was a miserable life. And, um, <laughs> and you know, I really, really thoroughly enjoy playing, but, I mean, I don't think I'm of, I'm of the caliber of musician that could make it make a living playing, you know, mm. so. Was that, was that hard to, uh, to make the transition at all or just kind of accepting what you're working with? Well, the light came on one time when I was, um, boy, I was probably early 20s and I was at a store in Minneapolis called Newt Capay and there's a guy there who I guess if I called anybody my mentor would be this would be the guy is Jeff Hill and again he's a very cool guy very hip was really into vintage guitars and he had a cool store and I and I was in there just kind of looking around or whatever and he kind of took me under his wing and all of a sudden I was like going the, the light bulb went off of my head well if I can't make a living playing guitar maybe I can make a living selling guitars you mm -hmm. know buying and selling and um, I always kind of did, even before I was ever in business, I always would like look at the papers and look for bargains, and I'd buy a guitar even if it wasn't something I liked, and I'd trade it in for something I would like if I could make some money on it or whatever, you know. So I was always kind of into that bartering, trading kind of thing. And, um, and then the light bulb went off over my head, and uh, I just said, boy, this would, this would be a way to make a living. And I didn't like, you know, like getting in a van full with a bunch of stinky guys driving, you know, <laughs> seven hours to go to a gig or whatever, and then playing in a bar where they hated your music. You know, so I was like going, oh, yeah, maybe this isn't the life I wanted, you know. So, hmm. so that's you. kind of what happened. So, um, Looking at the instruments themselves, uh, we're up on the top floor. This is where the personal collection is, of course. I, I think there's always 300 plus guitars up here. Is I think it's right? around 500 right now. 500 yeah. right now. Um, it's almost a museum. I, I got that impression, you know, it, uh, seeing a line of guitars in chronological order and seeing uh, the development through the years. Isn't that cool? I mean, yeah. yeah. And where else can you do that anymore? Um, you know, in the old days, in the 80s, when I went to guitar shows, you'd see guitars like this at the guitar shows. But anymore, when you go, you might see one or two here or there, but you don't see anything like this. And to see it in chronological order, and you can't believe how many times, like, either Gibson or Fender has called us up and asked us to send a guitar to them so they could use it to base a reissue guitar off of or whatever. Really? So, it, and, and, you know, how many times... Uh, you know, different musicians have come up here to, you know, to check it out or whatever. It's just wonderful to have it and to experience it. You know, if somebody wants to, you know, we'll have guys that want to buy a reissue Les Paul and we'll say, well, if you want to compare it against the real thing, we've got 59s, we've got 60s, you know, you can come and play them. So, yeah. Is there anything big on the horizon uh, for the store? Any, any, anything notable? Uh, I mean, nothing I can think of. I mean, we just, you know, we open the doors every day and it's still a surprise how much business we do to me, you know, and, <laughs> you know, I'm, you know, after 35 years, still having a blast with it. I can't wait to get here in the morning. I'm the last one to leave at night. Um, 
still excited every day, you know, open up the email, seeing who's got what guitars for sale and, uh, you know, what's going to come in the door. It, it's an adventure every day. It's like a kid at Christmas for me, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, that's all you could ever ask for, really. Yeah, oh, Just really, that yeah. happiness, yeah. Yeah, they still have the excitement after all these years is nice. Yeah, and congratulations, by the way, because 35, that, that's a milestone for sure. It is, it yeah. is, and, I'm st- and yeah, it's a milestone to still be enjoying it, you know what I mean? It would be like one thing if you're like just into it for the money or into it for this or that. But I mean, to me, it's just like if I wasn't paid, I'd still be here. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. you'd have to drag me out of here kicking and screaming, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, bringing it all together with some rapid fire questions. Sure. Uh, who are you impressed by these days, particularly in the music scene? Any, uh, any newcomers you've seen in the past few years that really struck you? Well, I mean, you know, and these guys aren't all that young anymore, but like John Mayer, uh, Joe Bonamassa, you know, those guys are young in my book. Yeah. And, you know, I can't think of it. Oh, um, G- Guy Clark is another guy. You know, I'm, a, I'm more of a blues guy. Yeah. So, you know, that's, and my ultimate hero has always been like uh, Eric Clapton, uh, Santana, I love his playing, Robert Cray. Um, but, uh, yeah, as far as younger things, I, I should broaden my horizons and, and open my eyes a little more, but I, I haven't, I'll have to admit. So Yeah. Um, what, what advice might you give to your 18-year-old self or anywhere around that time? <sighs> oh, take life a little more seriously. I didn't really take life all that <laughs> serious until, uh, until I was maybe 25. And the, 25 was the year I opened the store. Yeah. So uh, up until then, it was kind of like, and again, I, I was kind of directionless because, you know, no parents or anything like that. You know, nobody said, hey, go to college, get an education, you know, anything like that. So it's just like, and I'm the only... One in my family who didn't get a college education. I was kind of like the black sheep, I think. And uh, and again, I, I spent those years from high school to when I started the business playing guitar, uh, going out gigging, you know, and just making a scruffle of a life, you know, and uh, really directionless. So, I mean, and I, I've had friends that, you know, like right out of high school went into the guitar business and, you know, took it real, real seriously. So I have another seven, eight years in me. If I'd have just gone and done that right away, you know. Definitely, so, yeah. definitely. Um, any guitars you've yet to find? Um, you know, I've, I'm really quite satisfied with everything I've got right now. And there's still things that come in that excite me. Like right now, there's a um, a lady sent me pictures of a 56 Gretsch we're going to go buy this weekend, a Gretsch 6120. That, uh, th- that's a pretty cool guitar. That'll probably end up up here, you know. So every day, you know, it, it just kind of depends... There's nothing I'm actively seeking out. Like I've got, like I've got to have a, you know, a Fiesta Red Strat from this year or whatever, because mm-hmm. I've got pretty good examples of all that stuff. But, you know, different things that walk in the door or that pop up still excite me, and I'll go like, oh, you know, that that would be nice in the collection, you know. Yeah, so. just keeping your eyes open. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Excellent. Um, and people looking to find you, uh, it seems like the best place to send them is davesguitar.com right or oh exactly that, that's out. where it all happens davesguitar.com and uh, uh, email address is uh, dave at davesguitar.com so awesome you know. well thank you for the time and for, uh, for having me here it was oh. great talking to you it was wonderful talking to you if you've enjoyed this podcast please visit chancebychance.com there you can find more episodes videos and information about me Chance Gilliam as well as the sign up to my mailing list and links to my social media profiles. At chancebychance.com forward slash support, you can contribute to the show in various fashions. A little bit goes a long way, and it's your support that makes this possible. Thank you.